second round of the playoffs started today, Sunday, May the 1st. And I think these eight teams are, maybe if not the eight teams that people expected, probably the best eight teams in general left in the playoffs. In the Eastern Conference, we got the Miami Heat and the Philadelphia 76ers as the one and four. We got the Milwaukee Bucks and the Boston Celtics who played today as the two and th- as the two three seed. Milwaukee picking up a big win. Giannis with a triple double, 24 points, 13 rebounds, 12 assists. We have Phoenix Suns and Dallas Mavericks in one four in the West, and we have Golden State and the Memphis Grizzlies who Golden State picked up a win today in the two three seed in the in the Western Conference. Outside, which games are the which series is the most intriguing to you? Just in Europe, probably a mixture of Boston. I mean, I think they all should be pretty good, but Boston, the Bucks, and then uh, Phoenix and Dallas. I think those are going to be the most interesting series that are going to be really competitive. Nah, I, I definitely agree with that. Especially, I think the Phoenix and the Dallas one because of one the shooting guard matchup between Luka and Devin Booker, and how and how well do, does Dallas front court. You know, measure up to DeAndre Ayton. I think he has the physical and skill, physical and talent advantage of this between you know Dwight Powell, Maxi Keebler, uh, Davis Bertans, or whoever else they decide to slide at the four or the five. I don't think any, anybody on that Mavericks team will be able to keep up with DeAndre Ayton. In my personal opinion, now that's an advantage. So we'll see how Phoenix uses him because. They don't necessarily, I've said before, like I feel like they could go to eight and more as a scorer, so maybe this is an opportunity right? Um, where you can kind of give him the ball a little more. He averaged 17 this year. Um, so it's really nobody to guard him, but Dallas plays kind of a matchup zone, so I can see them kind of trying to crowd him a lot defensively. So we'll, we'll see what they do. Um, they didn't, you know, you had Gobert, in the first round, but he's a different type of center. He's not as offensively talented as Aiden. Aiden has a little mid-range. He has a jump hook. Um, and then, you know, he can be aggressive as far as dunking on you and stuff like that. So, Aiden can be more of a problem for uh, Dallas. No, oh, yeah, I can definitely see that being the thing. And he's also a great pick-and-roll partner with Chris Paul as well, catching um, lobs and playing above the rim and whatnot. And with that being said, I'm John W. It's Fresh X. And it's the Hooper's Hour on Nothing But Net Radio, presented to you by Dash Radio. And like I say, uh, Milwaukee picked up a game, one victory today against Boston. Memphis, I mean, excuse me, Golden State picked up a game, one victory today against Memphis. Boston in that first round series against the next, against the Brooklyn Nets were able to get physical and get up under a lot of the players and, you know, just you know just be physical in, the, in that series. This series probably won't be the same. The, they tried to get physical with Giannis. It didn't really work as much. Even you know defensively, Milwaukee was able to match their physicality. Game one is you know seven game series. Somebody still has to win four. How do you see the series turning out? Even you know beyond this game, right? And Giannis played pretty well, and like I feel like he's he's taking trying to take his stances as as a top of the league as the best player in the league. Um, but he still had kind of a rough. You know, he shot nine for 25, 24 right. points. So. He's he is a physical player. Period. He plays closer to the basket, so um, that's that's gonna be more of his style anyway. To get physical and things like that, he is a tr- true power forward. His position is a power forward, um, or whatever. He just can handle the ball and things like that. So that definitely plays the way he want to do because he's not gonna mind uh, you know the ugly shooting games. But 
you know, the Bucks. I said, uh, I tweeted earlier, like going through their adversity last year um, and finally overcoming because they went through adversity before in the playoffs and then they kind of folded as they were growing and learning. Going through, going through it last year, it's like they're kind of just in championship mode, honestly, because a lot of their players are back. They pretty much got the same people. I mean, you miss, you missing PJ Tucker, um, who went to Miami or whatever. But overall, um, it's pretty much the same. It's pretty much the same players, honestly. And then I mean, you got Serge who didn't play today. I mean, he played like a minute. But Serge, who who making help them down the stretch. He's a champion. He's been through some battles himself. So when you got a team like that. And they're, they're bigger than Brooklyn, so they don't mind playing a more physical game. Brooklyn's playing literally three guards at a time, so it definitely works better. They, they could play the small ball just like Boston can, but with big players because, you know, Bobby Portis and how versatile he is. I think he, he shown how valuable he was this season where, you know, I think they're going to lean to him over Brook more at times like that. So this, this could be – it's definitely going to play more into – you know what the Bucks want to do, right. and then uh, you know they they Yann started off kind of type. He went on his runs. He won his runs, and and uh, that's that's what's going because he's so active offensively. He plays so hard at all times. No, yeah, for sure. And of course, as we all know, Milwaukee is down. Chris Middleton. Right. How much do you do you see that playing a part later on in the series? I feel like if this is a series that's kind of going back and forth. I yeah. know, and I understand with the greatness of Giannis, he can definitely right. win you a get you know a game seven or game six or whatever he needs to win for you. But just knowing that you don't necessarily have that extra offensive wing firepower, how does that kind? Of, you think that changes Milwaukee? You know how they think basketball offensively in any types of way in the series? I think it plays a part, but I think. We- also, what gets slept on is the fact that Milwaukee basically has three All Stars. Drew Holiday has been an All Star. He's borderline All Star. So, when you fall with Brook Lopez, made All Star. Yeah, game once. right. But and Drew, Drew has Drew made one since since he's been with the Bucks, right? He nah, made, he nah. he didn't make one last year. All right, well, my bad. So he's, he he has that one All Star appearance there. But Drew's an All Star level player, borderline All Star level player. So he can step up and have you know like today he had twenty five points, um and and provide for them offensively. But um, I think they have a team full of, like, nobody stands out on their own. Um, but the role players are all really good. Like Bobby Portis, he had 15 today. He'll give you 30 if you if you play <laughs> you with let him. him right? Yeah, he'll give you 30 if you let, play, and you gotta play add with him. 11 rebounds as well. So, and I think as long as Giannis is there to anchor all that with all those supporting those supporting players, they're gonna need Middleton to win a championship. And they, I mean, they may need him to win this series, honestly. But I could see them getting by with Giannis looking like the best player in the league and. Um, just the cohesion they've had of having a coach for a couple of years. They know they know what everybody's gonna do, so you you know how people are gonna react in certain situations. Boston had a tough game today after playing so well in the first round. They were bound to have a bad game. You know they didn't get to have a stinker in the first round because they swept them. So right. you know you you just hope that today was your bad game. Jason Tatum played kind of he shot kind of tough. Um, Jalen Brown he didn't get it going until a little bit later. But um, Milwaukee can get it done, but I wouldn't overlook winning, you know, because Boston has home court. They were a higher seed, so right. Milwaukee needed a win in Boston. Right. They did what they um, t- definitely took care of business. But Boston definitely could win Boston. game two, and they could steal the game in Milwaukee, so it's far from over. But I think you, to your, uh, your immediate question, they I think Giannis could lead them, but it would be nice to have Middleton. And like I so said, looking over Boston, who was on the losing side of this game, 
like I said, it made it tough on Giannis. He ended, you know, twenty-four. He ended with a triple double. Like I said, he shot nine for twenty-four. I mean, it's nine for twenty-five with twenty-four points. Like I said, this is the bad. This is the bad game. They will hope they help. You know that they avoided playing against Brooklyn. Uh, yeah, playing against Brooklyn in the first round. Right. And maybe you get this out the way now, especially this game one at home. You kind of expect Milwaukee to be ready for this game because they can't. Even though they dropped one game against uh, Chicago, they look like the more dominant team. Like they was ready to go. Like I say, they, that championship pedigree definitely plays a part of that. What does Boston need to do to basically just come back and not go down 0-2 it? You know, right. going back to Milwaukee for Game Three. Right, and it, it was bound to happen because even if you remember that Game Four in Brooklyn, Jason Tatum, he really kind of had a tough game. That game fouled out in the game. He didn't shoot as well as he, as he had defense for 29 points. But he didn't shoot as well as he had been shooting. So I think Boston, they bounce back uh, the next game. Um, I think you have to – you they have they have one of the best defenses that we've seen in a while. Um, and they do, they do have the personnel to guard Milwaukee. I just think you have to switch up a little bit of what you're going to throw at Giannis because they're – the Bucks role players are more reliable than the Nets role players. Nobody in the Nets rotation firmly established himself. Honestly, if you think about it, not to make it about the Nets, but like you know, Goran Dragic was in their rotation. They signed him about three weeks ago. Bruce and Brown, Bruce Brown was in and out the lineup, stuff like that. So the Bucks just you have to rethink leaving Pat Cunnington and like I said Bobby and even Grayson Allen these are championship right. players that know the role that they play for their team so Giannis is he, he can get 12 assists because he's fully comfortable making that extra pass and, and things like that so I think Boston is going to have to rethink how they guard this Milwaukee team a little bit and even maybe some of their small lineups because the Bucks will go small ball and leave Bobby on the court because Bobby will switch on a guard and Giannis will handle the ball and, you know, Drew Holiday will guard a center. <laughs> they, they right, and, no, and, and especially when you're going to go small with them. So um, I, I think it's easier for Grant Williams to be more physical with KD. He can put his his old man body on KD, and, and but Giannis don't care about it. So no, right. it's going to be a little bit little bit tougher. Not, yeah, just real quick, just speaking on that, uh, I don't think anybody ever mentions how – Versatile this Milwaukee team. This Milwaukee team actually is honestly mm-hmm. like I say, you can they can go to a small ball with Bobby Portis and Young, which they basically done for Bobby on the court, and which they've done basically for the most part with Brook Lopez missing so much of the season. And Bobby's legit six eleven, ain't he? Six ten, six ten, six at least six ten. Right. All right, and like I say, having him next to Giannis, that's who both of them got long arms. Is they're definitely gonna be able to defend shots, Jalen Brown. The bought the Boston Celtics second star on this team struggled today. Y'all finished with twelve points. Uh-huh. You know everybody child Javon Carter saying you know he did a good job making it tough on him when he was guarding him. Jalen Brown's been to the conference finals I think four of his first five years in the league. My number might be off at this point, but he's been there. He has experience in making deep playoff runs, basically every round except going to the NBA Finals. How does Jalen Brown refocus his game and be ready to help support Jason Tatum in game two as his second score or second star? Honestly, for both of them, Boston is a team. Even though they have these, they have these, uh, you know, these long wings that can get to the basket. They really shoot more jump shots than I think we kind of acknowledge. Uh, like Jason, Jalen was four for thirteen today. He was three for nine from three. Jason Tatum was six for eighteen. He was four for nine from three. Um, so I just think they they can fall in love with the three. 
when I think at times they could get to the basket more. because I, I think Jason Jalen Brown's a good shooter, but I don't think he's like a knockdown, you know, where it's just like hit his majority of his game. He shouldn't be taking way more threes than twos, basically, right. to nah, me. Yeah. Like, I think he could get to the basket. He can get mid-range shots. He can dunk on people. I think he should have a healthier balance than taking nine threes and four twos. Uh, and he ain't yeah. throwing, what, two free throws and that. So that, exactly. that's definitely a sign of He's too athletic to take right. two free throws and, and only have four two-pointers to nine threes. So, which I think he'll make that adjustment. Um, they are going to have some bigger players out there, so maybe that played a part into the thinking of shooting um, more jumpers because they have a little bit more size on the court. I mean, even when... Um, Pat Connaughton is out there. You know, he's 6'5". That, that's taller than everybody the Nets played other than KD and Nick Claxton. So maybe maybe that make you rely on the jumper a little more than, you know, you got Giannis in the paint. Brooke Lopez is 7 feet, 7'2", um, something like that. Bobby's right. out there. Um, and then Drew, Drew just making it tough on him also. You got to acknowledge Drew as uh, nah, an elite sure. defender, uh, NBA defensive player of the year type defender. No, surely. Like I said, Milwaukee picked up the win, one on one to eighty nine. But just real quick, Robert Williams had um played Milwaukee Bucks players over for eleven when defended by Robert Williams. Not surprising, Time Lord. Um, Giannis was over five. The rest of the team. Was he's, 0 for he's, six. he's a great defender. I wouldn't put him on Giannis full time though because I think he's probably not quick enough to guard Giannis. But I would definitely. Because he moves his feet well, and, and they're going to trade off and do the shade and thing. I, I definitely would at least let him – give him some looks on Giannis for nah, sure. Yeah. No, nah, yeah, definitely. Especially Al, if I can get some matches where, like, Al Horford is, like, right there too. Because right. I'll be throwing Robert Williams, Al Horford, Dang. Tatum, Tice, Grant Williams. They all would guard the Giannis. I mean, that, that's – The whole kitchen sink, basically. That's basically the same thing they did with – they all would be – same thing they did with KD, I would do that with Giannis. Um so we'll see how they how they change it. You just gotta guard them differently. You, it's always been be more physical with, with KD, but you. I think if you look at the people that have bothered Giannis, which may work into your thinking of how you guard him, it was when you threw Jimmy Butler on him, Kawhi on him. These are disrupting his dribble pattern. Exactly, because these are guards guarding him opposed to forward so they're thinking more finesse and stopping his dribbling opposed to let me get physical with him and bang bang with him in the post um so maybe that's a mindset you put in Jason Tatum I mean you guarded he guarded KD a lot in that series um but that's where it starts if you if you want to look if you look at the players that have given Giannis trouble and Kawhi two time defensive player of the year he he just got Kawhi out there but Kawhi Jimmy Butler is where you gotta kind of start. No, nah, yeah, for sure. I think like you know, um, I think Marcus Smart he injured his shoulder today. Yeah, right. But he should be back for game two, if not game three. I think you know maybe starting some positions with Marcus Smart, like I said, just to disrupt his his uh, dribble his uh, dribble rhythm and dribble pattern, just so he can't build up the momentum to get downhill yeah. or get to where he can get you with his uh, back to the basket. And I was gonna say maybe I mean maybe you give Jason Tatum that challenge again too, so you still give him at least some length with it, but. I mean, maybe that'd be too much, uh, giving him back to back series with those right. type of defensive assignments. You still got Jalen Brown out there. Well. Yeah, so, so like I said, sales you gonna throw, throw a lot of you gonna throw a lot of people at him, but I would definitely lean more Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, like you just said. All right. 
um, especially when he's on the perimeter, yeah, just put Marcus Smart on him. Nah, for sure. And um, opposed to to the bigs, but I would Robert Williams such a good defender. Yeah, you you gotta let him see, it's gonna see some, some of that. Point. Yeah. Okay. Golden State Warriors, the second game of the Golden State Warriors versus the Memphis Grizzlies. The Golden State picked up a tight win, 117 to 116. Jordan Poole scored 31. Clay hit a go ahead bucket late, but missed two free throws that would have absolutely sealed the game. This is a game I think I think the Warriors are looking forward to this as well, but I think this the Grizzlies are way more into this series just as a personal rivalry type thing than the Warriors. The Warriors want to get this done because they know this is their next challenge to taking one more step to get into the NBA Finals. Do you think that difference of think before we actually get into the game? Do you think that difference of thinking might be the difference of what might win the series and could lose the series for either team? I mean, yeah, the, the Warriors mindset is definitely just getting back to the cha- championship while, and the Grizzlies is just another team in a way while the Grizzlies is definitely thinking this is really their come up. They were supposed to beat Minnesota, and even though they they have the higher seed, it would be a major accomplishment if they could beat the Warriors. No, nah, for sure. Like I said, to the game, it wasn't the best games from everybody. We got some good games. Got some good. We got some good games from a lot of different players. Like I said, Jordan Poole had thirty one. Uh, Triple J, Jaron Jackson had a good game as well, especially in the fourth quarter. I think he also finished with thirty. Say Clay hit the go ahead three late in the game. If you're the if you're Memphis, of course, I already know you don't believe in, um, you know, there's no moral victories. But if you're Memphis, seeing how this came down to a one-possession game to where you had you had, most, had a couple chances winning at the end, how optimistic are you going to game two after this? I mean, they had a lot of leads throughout the game, too. So you you got to be thinking that you could win this game. You make some changes here or there, and you get the win. So... I don't think Memphis should be holding their head about the game. You just, you know, make a couple changes with a few things. I think Ja, his three was falling earlier, so he fell in love with the three, uh, especially because they were they played off of him. They basically was like, shoot it. But I always look at when you're so quick and athletic like him, they're giving you a head start to the basket, honestly. So you I, you couldn't play that far off of me. I'm going to attack the bat. I'm going to shoot the three because you, you're you going to shoot it in rhythm. Right. But when you got to take it a few times and then you could tell he's just shot it a few times because they weren't there. And I would rather him just attack and then now they're going to collapse because you're going to make a shifty move and somebody's going to get open or something like that. So they definitely definitely lead this game thinking we could, we could play with this team. No, nah, yeah, I definitely agree with that. Kind of that Tony Parker set of mindset of offense. Like, yeah. Regardless, people, regardless, you know, Tony Parker don't want to shoot the three. You can go on to all you want, but he was so quick. He's getting to the basket because exactly. you still have to go through the screen. You give him a head start. And I think that also makes sense for John. Maybe even just if you can – I think what's going to help separate Jaws once he decides to start taking that that mid-range jump shot coming off the screen and knocking that down as well. Yeah. But he should definitely be attacked because there's nobody on the – I know they started Gary Payton um, part two today, but Steph is going to be matched up on the line. He has to take advantage of that. And what do you even just think about that, Steve Kerr, going with Gary Payton in the starting lineup instead of um, Jordan Poole today? Um, it makes sense defensively because, I mean, at the end of the day, I don't think they're going to go full-time with the Jordan Poole, Wiggins, Draymond lineup as a star lineup. It, it right. took a while for them to even go with the the KD, Eagle Dollar lineup as a star lineup. They, they, they did that for like the last two rounds of the playoffs. So he's going to throw different matchups out there to, to make things work. And if you don't switch that up, 
you don't really trust Jordan Poole as that defender yet. You don't want Clay to do it because he just came off the injury, and you're not going to put Steph on Ja Morant. So you have to have somebody whose mindset is going to be guarding him. So I think it only made sense, and we knew Steph was going to be back in the starting lineup eventually. Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah, sure. um, yeah, so uh, I think it, it made sense to to start. Uh, Gary Payton. Yeah. No, yeah, deep down. And I like that. See, this is different from Steve Kerr, too. Like, you use him. I hate when you use a player throughout the season and then you get in the playoffs and they're the players, like, not playing no more. Um, Steve Nash did that with a few players. But it's like, if he's been, Gary Payton's been in their rotation. He's played well for them. So there's minutes for him to be played in the playoffs. And that's why Steve Kerr is best coach in the NBA. <laughs> I know some people don't disagree with that. But no, I get what you that definitely makes sense because you do see that happen a lot especially with young players and Gary Payne is one of those young players who go to state hoping they can keep on this team and develop but looking at Golden State in this game like say coming out with a one point victory how much do you think they're gonna do you think they're gonna change anything up in game two knowing they could have played they could have played a lot better you could say I think both teams could have played better even though 117 116 like oh yeah that was that's a good game but what do you think Golden State is gonna do to play better in the next game I think they're they're gonna try to limit like so Memphis tries to they play a lot of offense just to get Jai in the paint he led the league in scoring in the paint uh, this year over I know for guards but I think overall, overall. but they play like you said he doesn't he doesn't shoot the mid range they literally get him to the layup to the paint and he either try to shoot the layup or, or kick it out and even when he took 31 shots today um, when he missed shots, that just opened up for so many hustle plays, so many offensive rebounds for Brandon Clark. He had three offensive rebounds today. Um, and that don't even count like some of the tip outs that he got or whatever. So I think they're going to try to limit Ja getting into the paint, make him shoot the three more, which is what they did. His four threes were in, all in the first half, I believe. I know at least three of them were in the first half, but I think all four were in the first half. So I think they're going to make him try to shoot the threes more um, and limit him in the paint and then as far as offensively Steph got a lot of good looks for him it's just a matter if it's falling a lot like I think he he had a couple shots that looked really good that could have failed so um, I think they like some of the looks they got obviously Clay has been good some nights bad some nights with his shots 6 for 19 obviously coming back from two years off or whatever so I think they feel like they just miss some open looks and then you you know you add Draymond if he plays the whole game that's maybe some defense that you also use on Ja or taking Brandon Clark out the game missing Draymond I know it's cool that Draymond is and I can start with by saying I'm not the biggest fan of Draymond I think he's a really good player I think he's also really overrated I think he's really smart I think he's great at what he does and I think a couple different players could have played his role if they grew up with that team. But despite that, he is really important to this team. And you can like the emotional players, but I just never like players that just get thrown. He got thrown out the game because of the flagrant and then just really no accountability on it afterwards or whatever. It wasn't, it wasn't a good play, whether it was a flagrant one or a flagrant two, whatever. But they're going to need him to beat Memphis because Memphis – feels like they could beat them and he uh they're gonna need him defensively uh, right and even like say jaron jackson i think he you know was the one he took the most of, of missing of golden state missing draymond taking advantage of that mismatch, yeah, that is, going that is 33 so and when draymond's out the game like i say you got that's shouts out of jaron jackson <laughs> you got to keep that under control him and dylan brooks like as good as memphis are they got 
I think Jaron Jackson led the league in fouls this year. Like two years ago, Dylan Brooks led the league in fouls. Yeah, Dylan Brooks had five today. So. <laughs> you got to figure that out. Like I said, Jaron Jackson took advantage of Draymond Green banning out the game late. I think everybody's waiting for Jaron Jackson to realize his full potential and really take off. He knocked down a lot of knocked down a lot of open threes today. Uh-huh. How how important is Jaron Jackson to this series and what his mismatch the mismatch advantage he can bring? Because at the end of the day, maybe you don't want him posting up on Draymond Green, but he can't shoot over him. So maybe you put him in some position to shoot over him. Is a right. pick and pop partner with job pick and roll, whatever you need to do, whatever you need him to do offensively. Right. And he's definitely a defensive player to your level defender. Exactly. So for one, you know you need him to continue his high level defense, led the league in blocks. Defensive player of the year contender, you need that to stay. And you can't just let Draymond take him out of the game. Draymond is a great defender, one of the best defenders we've seen. But at the end of the day, you can't shoot over him. You 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 have uh he has he has really good ball skills. Um so you just gotta take advantage where you can and be an asset to the team or whatever. So they're gonna need him to look like you know, they second or third best player, depending on how good Bang looks. Bang had kind of a tough day, only three for ten shooting. But yeah, Jaron's gonna play a big role for them. Especially just keeping Jordan Poole likes to get in the lane a lot. You know, Steph goes with his back cuts. Golden State is known as shooters, but they never get enough credit for their their back cuts and just how much they live in, in the paint. Um, because that opens up a lot of those jump shots too. So, you know, as defensive player, year candidate, leader in blocks, they're gonna need him down low. No, yeah, I definitely agree with that. Like say, him having, you know, him only having three fouls a day is definitely an improvement from the last series. Yeah, can't be fouling out. And like I say, just looking at that, and we know, like I say, even though a lot of people do look at Golden State as a shooting team, as a three-point shooting team, they definitely get into the lane. Do you think, like say, Draymond coming back next game, they try to exploit Jaron Jackson, you know, and some of his, you know, immaturities as a defender with some of that pick-and-roll action? Yeah, probably so. I think they're going to try and go at them with Draymond and make him defend on the perimeter because, for one, that takes him out of the paint. So it's only a smart thing to do, and that opens that stuff up. So um, we'll see how they use him with that. Nah, I definitely agree. So what do you think Memphis needs to do to protect home court coming into game two? Just went and winning games, feeling like tying up the series. Yeah, bigger game from Bang next game. I think he should get some more shots. Jaron Jackson had it going, so I think that kind of played a part into him uh, only getting ten shots. Jaron shot eighteen, um, but I think a bigger game from from Bang, more efficient from Ja. I don't think Ja necessarily has to take thirty shots. Um, but I think that's because he kind of, like I said, he hit those early threes, and then they were kind of giving them to him. Like, all right, you're making them, keep making them. And he took them, so keep uh, attacking in the paint. Nah, yeah, I definitely agree with that. And like I said, they, they know he, while he is capable of making those shots, they're definitely going to leave him open more times than not. They're not going to. He almost had a triple-double, though. I ain't not been the second triple double of the playoffs. Yeah. So we got the two other series. Like I said, we got Philly and Miami at the one four matchup, and Phoenix and Dallas at the one four matchup in the West. Joel Embiid is already ruled out for Game One and Game Two. They hopefully, hopefully, they can get him back for Game Three. Is what they're thinking. He's out with a fractured orbital and a mild concussion. And just knowing that coming into the series. How does Miami attack? We know Miami is definitely going to try to throw everything they got at James Harden and Tyrese Maxey to make them uncomfortable on um, on the perimeter. But how does that change Miami 
the defensive game plan. Not even necessarily in a bad way, but how they're how they gonna adjust to their offense now without Joel Embiid out there? Yeah, because they say Joel he didn't travel with the team, so he's definitely looking at game three. Um, when he comes back, and I, that means I would just use Bam, have Bam exploit whoever they're playing at center. It's gonna be some Paul Reed, uh, DeAndre Jordan. Um, I'm not sure if they have another center on the r- roster. Uh, I know they had a young, the young fella. I can't think of his name. I saw him at AAU. Uh, Bassey. I saw him at AAU camp like five years ago. Not, not even that long ago. Maybe about three. Um, so they're, they're going to be really thin up front. And, and Bam, I believe Bam's a top five center in the NBA. I don't believe he always plays like a top five center in the NBA, but there's an opportunity for him to be aggressive. That don't necessarily just mean him getting 30, but if you're going to be playing DeAndre Jordan and Paul Reed, it'd be nice to see Bam get 30. No, right. I think this is one of those series, knowing that Joel Embiid isn't playing the first two games. This is the time where you want to establish Bam in the series because you can get him some easy bucks. Just not even necessarily bucks, but playmaking. His defense is gonna look amazing these first two games without Joel Embiid on the court. Right. He's, he's about to be guarding uh, offensively nobody. I mean, right. Paul Reed was a G League MVP, so he's he's not a nobody at all. I don't mean it like that, but he hasn't established himself as that. Philly's not gonna play through them the way they play through. On Joel and B, so Bam could really just wreak havoc offensively. They're gonna have to make him pay for cheating or sleeping on them for sure. All right, and like I say, with that and with that being said, do you think Jimmy Butler is gonna make it a Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lowry, and the team is gonna make it a focus to make Bam the focal point of the team? This just for even if I just mean, for the and, first they, two and games. they and they do play through Bam a lot anyway. He does handle the ball, so I I think so. I think they're smart enough to know that that's where they're going to have a matchup advantage. And with Bam being a smart player, he's not going to just take 40 unadvised shots. Right. You know, he's going to be smart about the way he plays. So um, I, I I could see them trying to purposely really go through Bam the first two games, especially if it looks really good early in the first game or it just goes well overall the first game. It don't matter how it works in the second game, they're going to play through Bam. All right. And over to Philly, like I say, who's definitely going to feel them, who's definitely going to miss Joel Embiid. What is Jack, who's going to be the most important player in the series? I guess is the first question. Yeah, of course, initially everyone's going to go to James Harden. They're going to expect James Harden, who, you know, obviously he played really well in um, his stretches last year in Brooklyn when KD was out and Kyrie was in and out, where some people thought he was the MVP candidate. But they're going to expect him to come out and average 30, and I don't think that's what we should be expecting from James. I think you should be expecting 20 to 25, 10 to 15 assists, and 8 to 10 rebounds, close to a triple-double. If he plays like that, he's playing well. And that probably means we're getting some points from Tyrese Maxey. I expect 20 to 25 points from him. You expect Tyre, Tobias Harris to be in the 20, especially just these games without – Joel expect Tobias to play well so they need those three to all step up Um, and they need they need Matisse Thibel who couldn't play in Toronto in the games in Toronto but he played the home games in Philly now he's fully eligible for this whole series they're going to need him to play good defense on Jimmy Butler and to really show value for them 
um, to at least be able to knock down some open shots because Miami's going to give him a lot of them. No, yeah, I definitely agree with that. I feel like Batista was going to be one of his what he whatever he can provide yeah. offensively is going to be super important. But Turn- anybody expecting James to average thirty seven, oh. stop it! Like nah. it's not going to happen. Twenty five and ten is fair to be like, all right, you do got to because he do got to up it aggressively. He do got to get more aggressive. All right, nah. but I wouldn't expect thirty points if he averages just because he averages twenty three. I don't think that means he's having a bad series. You have to. Like all right, he maybe he's not the James that we've seen before, but but like I feel like the last, that closeout game he played really well in Philly, and people didn't really kind of give him the credit for it because he kind of played well, so he showed them that he still could play, but it wasn't the big game, so you couldn't overpraise it or whatever. He he goes out with twenty three fifteen, and I think he had like nine, and nobody really talked about it, so. He's not he's not who he was before. I think the hamstring injury really hindered him. Um, I think he's a step slower as a player that wasn't always super aggressive, but uh, he, he can still be real effective for Philly. Not for sure. And Tyrese Maxey, a player who, before they traded for James Harden, was really their second was really their second go to was really their yeah. second score excuse me and you know their perimeter play their best kind of still play. is kind of still is definitely that especially like James Harden is more of a facilitator now especially like say coming off a hamstring still dealing with a hamstring injury how important is he in this series even just to you know attack Kyle Lowry or Tyler Harrell or whoever his matchup is who's probably not gonna be one of the better defenders on Miami yeah, Philly's gonna need Tyrese Maxey to you know play well in the in these first couple games. They're gonna need him to be aggressive. They're gonna need him to play smart. They're gonna need his shot to be falling, um, and they're gonna need him to just play smart overall. I, I'm pretty. I'm not sure who's gonna guard on defense. Maybe Kyle Lowry, but um, they're gonna be expecting some points out of him because with Joel, you're missing the scoring title leader, MVP candidate. Um, so you're going to expect him to be able to have, you know, maybe 20 points, maybe even 30 points, just at least in the first two games. I say he need to average 30 over the whole series because I do think Joel, like when he, when he broke his face the first time, he missed three weeks. But I don't think it would be three weeks this time because he's did it before, so he kind of know what to do. I think once he clears uh, concussion protocol, he wears the goggles and he's back on the court as long as he can see and he's not getting dizzy and stuff like that. Right. As long as he's healthy to play, he'll be out there to play. So these first couple games, you you want Maxi to, you know, you will hope he could give you somewhere close to 30. But anything above 20 on efficient efficient shooting is good. All right, for sure. Like I said, we know Miami is known for their defense. Is this a series that Philly might want to not necessarily lean on their defense, but maybe try to slow it down just to keep some of those shooters from being able to find wide open lanes on fast break for Miami? Yeah, you definitely have to play at a smarter pace because Maxie's going to play in transition and Tobias is good in transition and James is a good passer in transition. So I wouldn't want to play too slow because they even play fast with Embiid out there. But I wouldn't want to get into a running match with Miami just because you do have the shooters in Struess and David uh, Duncan Robinson and you know Tyler Hero. You wouldn't want the wrong, the right shooter to get hot on any night. You know Duncan hit eight threes. Of, he was quiet the whole season. At first playoff game, he made eight threes, and it was like this is why they gave him ninety million, I guess. So you don't want them to just randomly catch that fire. So pace will be important for Philly. Nah, no, yeah, I definitely agree. 
Who you got winning game one of the series? You gonna just give him game one to Miami, knowing that Joel Embiid isn't playing the first two, or do you think Philly can pull off game one, or either, or either one game, either one of game one or game two? I don't really have a prediction. I think Philly could win game one because I think they have they they led by a veteran coach. I think Doc Doc, Doc should stop defending himself until these people to look at his championship and that's the end of it Doc you know Doc has been criticized for a lot of things but Doc has won in some tough situations and I hate to see him having to keep defending himself uh, over and over or whatever so Philly could could win the game I think if they get aggressive play from Tobias Harris and and Maxi, and long as James is distributing um, they got a good chance to win it and I just think Miami you got to they're going to need Bam to play big. No, for sure. I say over to the Phoenix Dallas series. You know, Dallas winning a couple games without Luka in that Utah series made kind of gave people confidence that when they add Luka back to the series, they can make a conference championship run. Right. Phoenix Suns trying to get back to the NBA championship. You know, Devin Booker coming back for game six, dealing with, um, dealing with a slight hamstring injury. Like I said, Devin, the Devin Booker Luka Doncic matchup, I think, is going to be the one that everybody should be paying attention to, and everybody will be paying attention to. How important is it for you know, you know, Luka or Devin Booker to win that matchup in order for their team to win that series? Um, I think it'll be more important for Luka. Phoenix is going to play through Chris Paul a lot. I wonder are they going to guard who, how, how. Probably gonna work with who they're guarding. I can see Jalen Brunson on Chris Paul, um, but I don't see Luca guarding. Luca will probably be on Mikael Bridges. Yeah, I probably. Mikael ain't go, doing yeah, as I'll much. He ain't doing as much cutting and stuff like that. Yeah, so it'd be interesting. But Dallas is gonna play through Luca, even though Phoenix is gonna play through Devin Booker. Dallas is gonna play through Luca way more than Phoenix is gonna play through uh, Booker. So I think it'd be you know Dallas is gonna need Luca to lead them for sure. All right, for sure. They're looking at the point guard matchup, Jalen Bronson versus Chris Paul. Chris Paul, close, you know, helped closing out that New Orleans Pelican series, going 14 for 14 from the field, no turnovers, playing, you know, perfect game. Jalen Bronson really showed how valuable of a backcourt mate he is to Luka, and especially in those games Luka didn't play. You know, Chris Paul's a veteran. He knows all the tricks of the trade. What does that Jalen Bronson need to do just to, you know, not get lost in, you know, Chris Paul being a veteran point guard in this series? Right. And, you know, I think Jalen Bronson, being an older player, champion in college, um, I don't think he'll get rattled too much by playing Chris Paul. Um, I think he'll be able to still get to his spots. I think he averaged almost 30 in the first round, 27.8. Um so I think he knows to be aggressive against him and I think he feels like he can get the upper hand of him at this point in his career too nah I definitely agree and as we were saying earlier um, in the show the DeAndre Aiden versus the Dallas Mavericks front court is going to be one to watch because this is one of those matchups where Phoenix can find DeAndre Aiden in some spots he can definitely dominate because whereas Dallas has some good front court players like say between Dwight Powell uh, Maxie Keebler Davis Bertans I don't think they have a player with the physical talents or gifts that DeAndre Aiden has. And do you think this is going to be one of the series where, like, DeAndre Aiden not going to be the focus? They got to make sure they throw him the ball and just get him in good positions to score and, you know, just easy buckets against this team? That's what I would do because there's nobody that can guard DeAndre Aiden. So, obviously, they, you know, they're going to play their offense, but I would, I would make it a real point to feed him um, and – 
make Dallas figure out how they're going to guard him this series. No, right. And I think, like I said, DeAndre Ann, who was so important to their championship run last year, is definitely going to be important to get in one of these matchups where, you know, Dallas isn't the most physically gifted team. They don't necessarily have the over the rim protectors. They can defend the they can defend the rim, but they're not blocking shots. So this could be one of them series where DeAndre Ayton, who's all of six eleven, seven foot, could easily dominate the series. Maybe not necessarily a thirty and twelve, thirty and fifteen series, but I would like to see them have DeAndre Ayton number somewhere between twenty four. You know, 23, 24 points, 11, 12 rebounds. I feel like this is a series where he can take advantage of some things. He should. Number one versus number two pick. Same draft. When the last time that happened? Oh, yeah, it is. Oh, that's a good question. And just look, looking at the supporting cast of both these teams, with Phoenix, you got players like Mikael Bridges, Jay Crowder. Mikael Bridges is probably going to be first team all, first team all defense that they haven't announced yet. Um, Cam Johnson coming off the bench. Cameron Payne, JaVale McGee at that backup center spot. Then over to Dallas, you got players like say, Dorian Finney-Smith, Jalen Bronson, Dwight Powell, Spencer Dinwiddie. Which one of these teams are you expecting their role players or supporting players to play a bit better? Like say, Phoenix has that experience of going to the championship with this team last year where Dallas has been in the playoffs the last few years though. Yeah, you would hope Phoenix's cast will show you know their experience. They should play as sharp as the Bucks, honestly. Kinda of bring back the same people. Uh everybody knows what their role are, what they need to get done. Dallas supporting cast, although it is strong, they still kinda of, they're still new newer. Especially since you traded for Spencer Dinwiddie at um at the trade deadline. So right. Um, I think Phoenix will definitely expect a big boost from their supporting cast, but I think Dinwiddie is going to give Dallas a big boost also. Right, because I feel like Dinwiddie, I feel like Dallas has, you know, outside of Jalen Brunson, they're going to have the size advantage in the backcourt. Because if you look at, you know, Phoenix, after Devin Booker, it's Chris Paul and Cam- Cameron Payne, Alfred Payne in the backcourt, whereas for Dallas you got, you know, Lucas, Princeton, Dinwiddie. And that, like, that size advantage – you think that size advantage is going to be a big, you know, thing for Dallas this series, a big part of their game plans? Nah, only because Phoenix is going to guard them with their wings anyway, so they're not going to have to worry about it as far as who going to guard them. Um, and being led by Mikael Bridges, defensive player of the year, top three candidate. So I don't think it'll be as big, uh, big of an issue because Phoenix are versatile enough to be able to have players guard them. All right. Like I said, between who you think is gonna be the most important player in this series? I, I think DeAndre Ayton. I think DeAndre Ayton could make it where DeAndre Ayton was number one pick for a reason. He could have been an All Star this year. There's nobody on Dallas that can guard DeAndre Ayton, um, and I think he should just make this series tough for them. Luca is the best player in this series, but at the end of the day. He's gonna get his numbers, but Mikael Bridges, being the defender that he is, and he he's gonna make it tough on Luca. He's gonna make him take some tough shots, and he's gonna make some tough shots, but he's gonna make it tough on him. Um, so you at least have somebody to match up with him. Chris Paul and Jalen Bronson can kind of x each other out because they're gonna give similar things. Um, Jalen Bronson gonna have some big scoring nights. Chris Chris Paul to have big scoring nights. Then you you know that's where you kind of get into Devin Booker. I think that can be matched with offensive Spencer Dinwiddie. Booker may give you a couple more points, obviously, because he's a starter and he's gonna shoot more shots. But you know Dinwiddie can give you twenty to twenty five in a random thirty on a random night. So 
it's it's viable matchups everywhere. It's nobody for DeAndre Ayton. Like I don't <laughs> no, even know who, who he's gonna put on him. Powell, definitely not Bertans. Finney's just Keebler. too small. Maxi Keebler. There's nobody that Dallas had. I mean, you can play Boban. There's no. It's, that that's that's about as good as you can go. I don't. I don't think Boban has been a part of Jason Kidd's rotation this year. Uh, I forgot that Boban was on the team. So that's where it's gonna get tough for Dallas. Y'all have nobody for DeAndre Ayton. No, yeah, I definitely like. I definitely agree with that, and I think that should like see that the main focus. But like, bam, for Miami, they should definitely make a conservative effort, especially when you have a player, a center like that that can offensively contribute. He can he can score, and he he's smart enough to know not to just shoot every shot, so he could pass to and you know get stuff open. Not saying that he's you know the best passer, but he he can pass the ball. He he's smart enough to know to play team ball and to get rid of the ball. So that's that's a big asset, I think. Like you say, it's like one and two draft one and two draft picks from the same draft. I'm pretty sure it's happened recently, but I don't know when the last time yeah, it's happened. Yeah, I don't know when the last time the one and two from the same draft play in the playoffs. Nah. And just real quick, second round. Just real quick, not to harp on this too much. Just a quick, just because I, I seen it earlier, I said apparently Zion, if there would have been a game seven, he would have played. I don't think he would have played. I think that was the Pelicans' decision. Um, I've read that he went and got surgery without the Pelicans, so I don't think it's up to him after that. All right, like, yeah, like I said, we ain't got speak. I just saw yeah, it. Yeah, so, but, I thought, but I no, it had been floating around, and, you know, it, it's not a shut up and dribble type of thing, but I just wish that he wouldn't put that distraction on his teammates just support them and be there for them sit on the bench and cheer them all you haven't been there all year um and at this point because they they could have been needed you to play but I don't feel like it was the same situation where with the like the Nets where it's like they could really use that big body of Ben Simmons they could use his defense they could use they could use Zion but they ain't need him for it the Nets needed Ben so I I just feel like support your teammates they had a good chance of winning and if they win then come play in the next round that I think that would have been more of a more of a real conversation than you playing a random game seven no for sure like I say second round started today on Sunday April 1st had all the all the higher season vans, no upsets, one sweep. Do you think this was a good first round of the playoffs? I think so. I um I, I see. I a lot of people thought that I guess they it wasn't because it should have been seven games. I, <laughs> right, game seven. I don't think you got to have game sevens because a lot of series were close to going seven. But overall, you got a sweep, and people are gonna look at the sweep and because of who got swept and just look at it and make jokes about it. But it was like the clo- one of the closest one, third closest in history. Technically, seconds the first two was tied or whatever. Um, we got a really good series out of Minnesota where they had the lead in a lot of those games. They could have won um, a few games. Ant-Man had some big games, so we saw some emergence of him. So I, I thought it was good overall. We saw the dominance of certain teams, the Bucks, uh, Boston, good back and forth with, like, how Dallas played, getting to see Jalen Bronson emerge, and then Luka come back and win the series. So I thought he was – Think the basketball has been been really good. Nah, for sure. And just out of all the young players who are in right now, I guess we got twenty five or younger. That's usually the standard. Even Toronto, people didn't give Siakam enough credit. He, he got he got a couple thirty games in the playoffs. No, nah, I feel like the only person that didn't play good was 
Katie and Kyrie consistently and Trey. Like other than that, that's it. Yeah, those, those are the ones that really had a tough outing in the playoffs was, was them. Right, they but, they had right. the Hawks and the Nets had really tough outings. Nah, yeah, they did. And even but, the Hawks were able to steal a game. Steal a game, right? But which young player really impressed you the most in that first round? Anthony Edwards, easily by far. And I think next year. I think next year we're gonna they they have to really start transitioning. You said it a few times. Cat has been their best player. You still gonna play through Cat because Cat is a, a matchup problem. But the focus needs to 100% start going to Anthony Edwards as our best player. And that doesn't I mean that does mean him taking more shots. He should be shooting at least 18 shots a game next year. But that also leads to him facilitating more. I mean, he spoke to try, pass, trying to pass the ball to Cat more um, or whatever, so that could lead to that connection too. But, yeah, Anthony Edwards by far. Now he like 25 average. points, 45 from the field, 40 from three. Uh, Anthony yeah. Edwards is one of those young rare players who makes his free throws as well. Yeah. I know that's such a weird statement to make. Nah, these guys don't make but, free throws. Yeah, no, nah, they really don't. And it's so weird to see, especially not even like the bad jump shooters, like the good jump shooting young players can't don't necessarily make their free throws at a high clip. I know some of them, you're like, well, they're 73, 75. Like, nah. Yeah, no, like, I'm pleasured to be 90%, 80, 85% from the line. 80% was, was like, all right, he's okay. He's he's reliable, but eighty percent you need to get it up a little more. Seventy percent, nah. Because that's also I don't think people realize like how many points that's taken, especially for players like Ja who drives to the lane a lot. And it's going to eventually start getting those foul calls to go his way, and now you're getting your shots, you're getting your free throws attempts up, but you right. not necessarily knocking those free throws down. So shot Anthony was like, so that's a really good forty five percent from the field, forty from three, twenty five points per game. And like I like how he understands, you know, what he needs to do better. I know I think it was after game five. He said, you know, he needed to rebound more. He wanna go out there and, you know, get all the rebounds he can get, basically the team and rebounding. Like I know you was telling me somebody he said I think what he had fifty four assists to cat. Yeah, they said that he had like eighty five assists yeah. assist to cat this year and he was like, That's terrible. Uh he he need to pass on the ball more, he need to get more assists, it's gonna be two hundred assists. Some of that is cat fault. He, yeah, so he he seemed, he's all about trying to get better, honestly. Um, so I hope Minnesota embrace that they've already embraced him, but completely embrace that and recognize him on the totem pole as either a hundred percent equal to a hundred percent above Cat or at least equal, because um, he's their, their future. No, yeah, I, def- I definitely agree with that he's their future. Just because your future is always going to be a Wayne player for the most part, honestly. Like that's just. It might not be the easiest player to build around, but usually the teams with the brightest future, their best players usually away. Yeah, unless you, you got to get a generational center because you're not getting all these centers. You're not getting NBs all the time. And Cat, Cat is a all-star center, but I don't think he's a generational center. Right. Like, no, nah, yeah. Like, Cat's, like, NBs and Jokic not just growing. Like, even a center like DeAndre Ayner Bam. they're not necessarily Yeah, they're not generational. Yeah, right. they not, I don't think they're leading teams on their own. Best player, uh, MVP candidates. I don't know about that. No, nah. all NBA players. Yeah, but it's nah. another level. No, nah, it's definitely another another level that they can reach. But other than that, I think we can end it right there. You got anything else? Uh, nah. Just as always, uh, appreciate the viewers. Shout out to the listeners. And we here every Monday on the Nothing But Net channel through the Dash Radio app at three o'clock, three p.m. Eastern time. That is. 
um, every Wednesday at 12 o'clock Eastern Time on the Off the Ball Network Facebook page, the uh, Hoopers YouTube page, and the Hoopers Twitter page for the Hoopers Afternoon Session. 12 o'clock every Wednesday, 12 o'clock Eastern Time. And of course, anywhere you get your podcast, search the Hoopers Pod, um, Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, iHeartRadio, uh, all of those cool places. Um, yeah, go there, search the Hoopers Pod. Um, and that's all I got. All right, with that being said, I'm John Davies. Fresh X. And this is the Hoopers Hour on Nothing But Net Radio, presented to you by Dash Radio.